baby, you know what that sound means. It's time for The Edge with Terry Waldrop. Terry talks about all the hottest topics in sports every single weekday from 9 to 10 a.m. He's controversial, he's charismatic, and he's the captain of this ship for the next hour. Here's your host, Terry Waldron. Whoa, baby. Jamie Foxx has just been notified that his partner has changed for the day. It was actually funnier the last time when Terry didn't tell you that I was going to be on. <laughs> and you were expecting him. And I went, whoa, baby. And you went, well, at least well, you, whoa, at least you knew, Mark. <laughs> Neither one of us did. <laughs> as long as I know to be here. Welcome to the Edge here on this Friday morning. Mark Kramer in for uh, the test-giving Terry Waldrop this morning. Educating young minds. That's Educating, well, yeah. <laughs> Educating young minds, yes. And how are you, sir? I'm good, uh, Mark. Again, yeah, uh, Terry is uh, educating young minds. He is, uh, I, I bet he throws probably a pretty mean final, but uh, actually he is a, uh, he's actually a very good teacher, believe it or not. He's, his skills are not just limited to the basketball uh, gym. He is a, uh, teaches a couple of classes, uh, civics related and so forth, and uh I will say this, those kids are quote-unquote getting an education, that's for sure. So, yeah, the only thing I would worry about is uh, is Terry Waldrop educating my child on how to vote in yeah, well, that's true. That would be kind of scary. He sent me a, he sent me a scathing text because I kind of gave him a little hard time about, hey, you know, and he said, well, I'm I'm educating children, and that I, and that I was cynical. And I said, well, you, for, you know, that's great, but you forgot to – to end your sentence with a period. So, anyway, <laughs> we're not taking points off today. We're not taking points off of uh, Terry Waldrop because he is uh, he is in the silly season right now, uh, about to uh, be turned loose for the summer. I don't know which is worse, a, uh, the teenage children or Terry Waldrop on the streets. But, uh, anyway, Mark, it's good to be with you. Yep. Uh, this is your season. Baseball is in full swing. Sure enough uh, is. Your Reds are red hot. And um, so I'm, I know that. I yeah, know they're just not that. as much in last place as they were before. <laughs> well, hey, that's progress. <laughs> yeah, that's they have to look up to see fifth place. That's that's where the Reds are. They are playing better since they changed managers. Thank goodness. And yes. um, so, yeah, things are are they can't look up anymore for the Reds as they are still uh, buried. And they're the only team in the Central Division that is not under 500. Everybody else is over 500 in the Central Division except for them, and they're way under 500. But, yes, uh, uh, big another big game last night uh, for Louisiana Tech baseball. We're mm-hmm. winding down to the end of the regular season. Grambling is actually in the tournament. They already uh, did – I haven't been able to see a paper this morning. Uh, John, did they win the sec- – did they win yesterday? Grambling was ahead yesterday. They did win. Okay, well, they've won twice already in the SWAC tournament, so congratulations to Coach Cooper and his crew in that. Louisiana Tech took care of business last night. Uh, some people, just in case you, you, you're listening to us and you didn't listen to any of the broadcasts, whether ULM or Tech, uh, the reason for the Thursday games, all of the tournaments start next Wednesday. And so okay. they back the, they back the week, quote, weekend series, the last series of the season, they back it up a day 
to give pitchers their normal rest before the conference tournament starts on Wednesday of next week. So that's uh, the reason why all these, uh, the for ULM especially and Tech, why their their series uh, started, and of course Louisiana uh, Monroe is playing at Lafayette against ULL, the yeah, Raging Cajuns. Uh, lost a tough one. Uh, jumped out early two to nothing in that ball game, and uh, I think they they lost an extra innings four to three last. Yeah, it was night. three to three. Last score I saw was three to three in the eighth inning. So. Yeah, and they had a tying run on third, or go-ahead run, I'm not sure, um, in the 10th and couldn't push it across. So, uh, that's a gut, gut-wrenching gut loss. But uh, And then, of course, Tech took care of business against Old Dominion. Uh, LSU lost to Auburn. Uh, so, it's, it's uh, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, I think if you're ULM, you want to at least try to pull one out. Uh, and if they win, by the way, I just realized this, if they win one game, down in Lafayette, they would have doubled their win total from the year before. Right, Coach uh, Coach Fed's done an uh, unbelievable job at ULM uh, this year so far. And uh, as he as he said to me in in conversations when I did that three game series uh, out at Texas Texas Arlington, um, you know, he said, and we talk about this all the time on the show, and I I've always talked about it because I know it's a, it is a big deal if you've ever been in the profession, no matter what sport it is you realize that you have to make a commitment to a school, whether it's a high school or a college, uh, for the long haul. Uh, and that's what schools are looking for. You know, they're looking for somebody that's willing to come in and make a commitment, especially if they've had a down program for a little while, to come in and make a commitment to said school and be able to establish a program. And my phrase always is there's a lot of schools that field a team but not everybody has a program, and that's what you want to do if you're real serious in the coaching profession. You want to establish a program, and there's a process, as you know, Jamie. There's a process involved in building a program, and I hope uh, Coach Feds wants to do that at ULM in baseball. I think he will do it. Uh, he's a great guy. He's really motivated. Uh, he motivates the kids. He's real. I've seen him interact with his players. He's a real positive guy, uh, which goes a long, long way. Uh, he's going to hire good people on, on his staff, and I think he's going to really do good things in the future. Uh, just hope the school gives him the opportunity to, again, quote, build his program over the next three or four years, and, and uh, I think he'll have them back where they want to be as far as the baseball program is concerned, and they'll Start filling up Warhawk Field once again. Yeah, I think it's uh, be good for the university, especially good for that program to be, uh, you know, uh, have some success that is that has had uh, some success in the past um, at various levels. It's uh, again, you know, going back to the days of Tom Brown and Van Pardue and and uh, some really good players. Frank Selfo, the new head football coach at uh, at Southeastern, played catcher there. Uh, Chris Selfo's uh, brother, and and so there's some uh, a little bit of history there, uh, actually quite a bit, and uh, it's been a a program that's you know proud and, and fallen on some hard times, and um, but I think they've got the right the right guy now uh, piloting the ship, and he's got some he really uh, basically the roster is not really made over. He's had to kind of take those same players who won just 12 games last year, and uh, he's I think he's I think. As they say, uh, Mark maximizing his potential, 
and uh, brought in some new players and uh, both JUCO and, and freshmen, and I think it's going to pay off. I think if you know it, it does require patience, and that's that's hard for a fan base to have sometimes. But um, hey, there's some heady times over in uh, in Ruston right now though because uh, uh, Tech won two out of three from Southern Miss, who was ranked uh, I believe number nine when that series began, and now they have. Uh, since won game one of the old Dominion series. So uh, I think it will, they'll be, even if they sweep this series, they'll be just shy of 40 wins. So that's yeah, pretty they impressive. Could, right. If they sweep the series, they'll end up uh, with 38 wins and they will have the opportunity in the Conference USA tournament to win a couple, of, to win their first two games and be able to reach the 40 win plateau. Uh, last night's win at uh, number 36 was where they w- ended last year. So, you know, I heard listened to uh, Dave and, and Coach Burroughs in the post-game press conference last night uh, after the post-game show on the radio, and uh, they made that point that last night's win now equaled the win total they had last year. So um, it's impressive to be able to say that, you know, now you're going for something for – in the upper 30s as far as wins, but it, that'll be more than what you had last year. So, again, that's we talked about standards a minute ago. That's the standard now for that Coach Burroughs is set for this Louisiana Tech program. And, uh, you know, the bar is being set high, and so it's gotten to where it's, a, you know, expected to be a 35 to 40 win team a year in and year out from now on. So, uh, those are good lofty goals to have, and Coach Burroughs seems to be getting the players that can get that done. So congratulations yeah. to them. The game tonight, tonight is senior night uh, at Louisiana Tech, about 30 minutes before the game. Game starts at 6 o'clock. They will have ceremonies for honoring the five seniors that Louisiana Tech has, so go out and, and support that. They had a good crowd of 1,300 on a Thursday. So I would, that's yeah, I would, that's a good crowd for a Thursday night. So I would expect um, even more tonight and um, actually a big, big crowd for the Saturday afternoon game, which will be the final regular season game of the season and, of course, the last opportunity to see them in person at J.C. Love, and uh, that will be Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock. The Edge brought to you by Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital, U.S. 165 North in Monroe, 345 Four five four five, the best pet care anywhere on the planet. Mr. Bobby Manning, attorney at law, tremendous base Louisiana attorney, specializing in criminal defense, wrongful death, and personal injury. Don't delay. Call Bobby today and Spa Nouvelle. On they're on Lammy Lane in Monroe. Pamper the special people in your life. Spa Nouvelle's number is eight zero seven one zero six zero. And of course, you can get us on the Washita Valley Credit Union hotline or text line and that is 888-993-7762 and um, so yeah congratulations to all our baseball teams and uh, you know this is really a fun time when you get down into the conference tournaments and then the super the regionals and super regionals all everything pointing towards omaha and um, you know i like <clears throat> I like in the interviews all three of our coaches here on on i twenty uh, our college coaches they all use that phrase, and I like that because that's what they 
Uh, that's the expectation of their program. It's not, well, we hope we do this, we hope we do that. Everything, no matter whether it's Coach Cooper, Coach Burroughs, Coach Fed, they all say, you know, if you want to get to Omaha, which is our ultimate goal, this is what you need to do. And this is how your program needs to be and, you know, such and so on down the line. And I love to hear that because that that shows, you know, the fans of those particular schools the seriousness and the goals that that particular team and that particular coach has for his team. So I think that's really a, a really a good thing. Well, and, and two, uh, Mark, uh, just happened to notice, you know, just five miles down the road from Tech, Gramley now is uh, making a lot of noise down in the tournament in New Orleans, the SWAC tournament. It would not uh, surprise won- me that they won that tournament and go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they won uh, again last, uh, I think, Thursday night against Alabama State. Uh, won 14 to five Mississippi Valley, uh, who was number three in the East, uh, and uh, number one Alabama State knocked them off 12 to seven last night. So, uh, and and they played a, you know, you talk about uh, coaches putting themselves in position. Coach uh, Coach Cooper and them, I mean, they they darn near knocked off Arkansas and. Uh, had a nice lead on LSU early in the season. Of course, I don't think this is the LSU team of the past, but we'll we'll see uh, if they make it to a you know a regional. Well, Jamie, uh, a point again, point being that Coach Cooper has scheduled a very very tough non-conference mm-hmm. schedule, and that serves him well at this time of the year. He knows what he's doing, and when he schedules that kind of non-conference, yeah, he could he get a few more wins by. You know, scheduling some cupcakes, yeah, sure he could. But that's not going to prepare his team for the SWAC tournament. And it's obvious right now that that schedule has prepared his team for the SWAC tournament uh, with their uh, two impressive victories already. And, uh, again, good luck to them as they continue on and hopefully can win that tournament and move on to the NCAA tournament. Let's go ahead and take our first break. And everybody, uh, want to remind you that G.B. Cooley reminds everybody to support a worthwhile cause in Louisiana, and that is the Louisiana Special Olympics. I want to give my thoughts. I'm going to throw out a question of the day uh, here on the edge uh, in just a minute. And it's going to be, I'm going to give my thoughts, and of course I'll get yours, Jamie, of the uh, things going on at the state baseball tournament down in Sulphur as I was down there for the uh, doing the semifinal game for between OCS and Ascent, an eventual champion, Ascension Catholic. But I have a few, a few things I'd like to put out there about uh, the goings-on at the state tournament. This is The Edge here on Sports Talk 97.7. Jamie and I will be right back. Welcome back to The Edge here on Sports Talk 97.7. Get us on the – and I'm going to throw this out there so – 888-993-7762. Get us on the text line or the hotline. That is the Washita Valley Credit Union hotline or text line. And here it is. Most everybody that listens to this show has gone to or is part of a lot of high school sports at one time or another. In your opinion, and, and most everybody, if they've been around high school sports, They've also been to multiple playoff games, and this covers any sport. This covers, you know, the three major sports, basketball, football, baseball. Do you, do you feel like 
North Louisiana gets a fair shake on the, and I'm putting this in, in as giant of air quotes as I can put, neutral officials in playoff games. Okay? Now, this so you can get us, throw your opinion out there. Do you think North Louisiana gets a fair shake on the, again, quote, neutral officials during playoff games at the end of any of the, any of the sports seasons when the playoffs start? Okay, and, and Jamie, here's where I'm coming from. <clears throat> we only have two officiating associations, main officiating associations in North Louisiana. <clears throat> and they're all, you know, along I-20. Freeport and Monroe. Right. Uh, Ruston has a, a smaller one, but, you know, not as it's not like the other two. <clears throat> the association, and I've checked this out. I did the research before I threw this out there. I've talked to a coach from every sport of all of those sports uh, that have a team on I-20. And everyone has told me that without, without exception, that they do not, the association, the state association does not consider for Shreveport or Monroe that the other association say, it's a Shreveport team and they want to use Monroe officials or it's a Monroe team using uh, Shreveport officials. They do not consider that neutral. Okay. So let's take in, <clears throat> for example, they're almost 90 miles away. If you're a Monroe school, say you're uh, Richwood and you want to use Shreveport officials for a football game and the associate, no, that's not a neutral official site. And, but they're 90 miles away. Well, you play them during a regular season and, their officials do your games a lot, okay? And then they, you know, they use the mileage thing, a couple of the coaches have told me. Okay, so I go down, and I'm doing the OCS game uh, against Ascension Catholic, okay? Ascension Catholic, obviously, is from Ascension Paris, which is a suburb of where? Lafayette. No, Baton Rouge. Ascension? Ascension okay, Paris. Well, that's why I'm not in uh, – That's I probably that's need okay. to take – Terry Waltrip's geography class. Okay, yes. so um, where so where are the neutral where are the uh, neutral officials the the umpiring down there in the state tournament? Not just this game. The umpiring was horrific. It was awful. I mean, it was and, and just from an unbiased observer watching the game, even though I was doing radio. I try to watch games objectively as if I was coaching a team, you know, in the in the uh, game itself. And, you know, what would I think and, and all of this. Uh, Johnny texts in. Thank you, Johnny. And he says, absolutely not that we don't get a fair shake. He said it's egregious. And that is absolutely true. Okay, so the, the umpiring and shooterant from here in North Louisiana happened to be playing their semifinal game right behind us. Uh, OCS, I think, was on field 40, and Schudrant was playing in their semifinal uh, against Oak Hill on field 39 right behind us at the same time. Both fields, <clears throat> and Oak Hill, of course, is a you know a South Louisiana team as well, or from that close to that area down there. I think they may be a little more central, but they're a little south, I think, of Alexandria. <clears throat> their neutral officials were from New Orleans. 
Baton Rouge, last time I checked, is about 45 miles or 40 miles, actually, if you get out into Ascension Parish that far where East Ascension is out by Gonzales. It's actually, from there, only about probably 40 miles to New Orleans. So they're that close, and that's where your neutral officials are coming from New Orleans. Oh, yeah, these guys are real neutral. Um, <clears throat> a team uh, plays uh, uh, a team up here in North Louisiana in football, plays a team from Lake Charles. Okay. Where is the officiating crew from? Oh, they're from Lafayette. Oh, yeah, they're real neutral. That's a real neutral game for for a team where you're playing a, a team from Lake Charles and your Lafayette crew. Uh, they're a neutral crew. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things, Jamie, and I know I'm kind of ranting on this, but it just drives me insane that North Louisiana gets the shaft all the time on this, quote, neutral official stuff because – we know that there's an obvious bias in this state from South Louisiana to North Louisiana. There just is. It's just a fact. It's not an opinion. It's been that way for years and years. Everybody down in South Louisiana is going to stick together and all of this. And, and I'm not talking about judgment calls. There was a call. How can, a, how can an umpiring crew have a rules violation that's wrong? They get called on it by one of the coaches the North Louisiana coach. And then they have a meeting, which they should do. All three umpires come together. And you've got three umpires all looking at the same play, and they still uphold the wrong call. It just was, and they did it twice. And I found out later that the same, uh, an umpiring crew from New Orleans did the same thing in Shooter's game after meeting and upheld the wrong call. The one, this one call I'm talking about. Um, a player for OCS turns and bunts the ball to sacrifice. He doesn't. It's he's bunting to sacrifice, not as a as to try to bunt for a single. So he's not running out of the box. He just turned, faced the pitcher, put his bat out, and of course this happened. Boom, boom, real you know within one second. He puts the bat out. The ball hits the bat hits the ground because they're turf fields. The ball hits the ground and comes straight back up and hits his bat again. Okay, so it's a double hit. But he hasn't moved out of the batter's box, so it's a foul ball. He's only out if he's out of the batter's box when the ball hits the bat the second time. So the home plate umpire calls him out. Well, then Coach Parker comes out and, and starts arguing the call, which he should have, and, uh, and he was correct. Well, you, again, the batter never moved to go out of the batter's box, and that happened so quick he couldn't have been out of the batter's box even if he was trying to run down to first base. So they meet. He calls him out. They meet, and you've got the first base umpire and the third base umpire looking in and seeing the same play. And obviously and they, the, there was a crew from the Monroe officiating crew that had been doing another game there that was in the stands and were taking video. They have it on video that the batter never moved out of the batter's box. And these guys meet behind or in front of the mound, and they still uphold the wrong call and call him out. And the thing was, it was a huge play in the ball game because OCS had runners at first and second, nobody out. 
and he was trying to sacrifice him to second and third. Well, they call him out, uphold calling him out, so now there's one out and still runners at first and second. The next batter hits the first pitch and lines it to the second baseman. He makes a diving catch, goes over and touches second for a double play, and they're out of the inning. That's how all of that transpired. And then later they had a ball. You've seen this before where a, a player tries to move out of the way of a pitch that's inside and puts his hands up to move out of the way. And instead of the ball hitting his hand, the ball hits the bat, you know, the knob of the bat. And technically it's a foul ball because, you know, it didn't hit them. Well, that same thing happened. And they called it a foul ball immediately. The home plate umpire called it a foul ball. The other coach comes out and starts complaining that it hit his batter's hand or his wrist or something. And so then, even though the home plate umpire immediately called it a foul ball, they come together again. They meet for two or three minutes. They say that the ball hit the guy, and they send him to first base. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And then the next guy, that was with two outs. The next guy doubles down the line, and that guy that they allowed to get on scores all the way from first base. So these these calls – had huge impacts on the ball game. And, you know, we've seen it over and over. The play, the thing against Ruston when uh, they were playing Hanville in the playoffs and the guy did the ever-famous now, you know, uh, jump up karate kick in the face to a Ruston guy. I think that was a a Lafayette crew that was doing that game. And that wasn't even called a penalty, let alone not kicking the kid out of the ball game. And there was an official – standing about 10 feet away right there on the sidelines. I mean, it's just things over and over and over, like Johnny said. You know, it's it's just things that have happened over. These are just incidents that, you know, are in my mind now that are recent. But being part of the Rustin broadcast for 18 years and then going and watching as a media member West Monroe's games, Neville's games, different games uh, in the uh, in the football playoffs as well, it's just something you see over and over, phantom holding calls or phantom interference calls in football playoff games. It's just it, to me it's just gotten ridiculous. Uh, and you know it, there's got to be there's got to come to some point where the coaches up here are just going to have to you know almost boycott or you know do something, get some kind of leverage to where they can say, hey, you know, yeah, we use them during the during the year when we play airline or we play Bozier or Evangel or somebody in Shreveport, but they're not our regular officials. I mean, it's not like uh, Ascension Catholic didn't play games down in New Orleans in tournaments and have New Orleans crews that did their games during the season. So the, the logic, I guess, Jamie, what I'm saying is the logic of why the association won't let coaches up here use Shreveport or Monroe if they're on the opposite side. Just don't hold water when it comes to anything south of Alexandria. So we'll continue this discussion, and I'll get your thoughts when we return. 888-993-7762. Give us your thoughts. Got another couple of texts coming in. Give us your thoughts on this subject. I think it's something very important that does impact the playoffs in the major sports in high school in this state. We'll be right back. And I'll tell you what, this is fun. Jamie Foxx and Mark Kramer, John Tabor here with us also here on the edge on this Friday morning here on Sports Talk 97.7. Always a blast here on the edge, no matter what combination of 
individuals we have here. Well, we're, the, we're controversial and charismatic. Well, right? no, yeah, but we're not near. We what but Terry Walter is. Yeah, I mean, it takes like five of us to be as charismatic and and controversial. I, I don't, as I'm Terry not sure Walter. it doesn't take more than that, but uh, we try. That's He's, right. He sets the pace. All right. Again, 888-993-7762, the Washita Valley Federal Credit Union hotline, text line. Does North Louisiana get a fair shake as far as neutral official assignment in playoff games in all of the major sports? Sarge, appreciate him texting in. Sarge says, no, with an exclamation point, they do not. I can say that from experience in four sports, both as a coach and a parent. Thank you, Sarge. That gives us another perspective, not just because some people might say, ah, well, the coaches, you know, coaches always think they get the shaft and all of that, uh, which isn't true. But um, they just want a fair game. You know, I always used to tell officials, I used to go to the officials before a game. And I really, and I would say this, every time because I wanted them to know where I stood before a game started. And this even was regular season. I only expect, and I would tell them, I said, guys, you know, I'd introduce myself if I didn't know them. And I'd say, listen, I'm only, you're not going to hear much from me about complaints, uh, about, you know, judgment calls and that kind of stuff. I said, I only expect two things from you guys. I said, I expect you to know the rules because the players deserve it, to know what the correct calls are on, you know, rules things, and I expect you to hustle and be in the position that you're supposed to be in when you're supposed to make a call. I said, those are the only two things I care about and that you have a responsibility to, uh, myself and the players, and that is to hustle and know the rules. And that was it. And I didn't really complain about the officiating much. Uh, and the only thing I really had a real problem with is if a, if a staff was, whether it was football or, or um, basketball especially, if their lack of calling of things were getting to where the safety of the players was going to be an issue, then I, I had an issue with that. But otherwise, I didn't say uh, a whole lot about, uh, you know, actual judgment calls and that kind of thing. So, again, thanks, Sarge, for giving us the uh, – the, perspective from a parent and a coach uh and you had both of those so appreciate that so give us your thoughts again 888-993-7762 the floor is yours mr fox well um it's a really honestly mark i think this uh really spreads beyond the playing field in, in louisiana and i'm saying this as, as someone who has family in south louisiana a mother from south louisiana a son who grew up in the new orleans metro area and um, I think a lot of people listening can relate to this who do have family in South Louisiana. Let's, let's take a couple of, of known facts here. Number one, 80% of the population of this state resides below Interstate 10. So obviously the population base certainly favors South Louisiana, both from a voting perspective in the state legislature and obviously now when it comes to officiating high school games. Um, I know, and you know as well, it – it gets under the craw of the people down there when, when West Monroe was, was kicking everybody, you know, and doing so well and had their run. And even to this day, there's a lot of, um, you know, I remember talking to some bar folks. It really got under their under their craw that, that West Monroe had success. And I think a lot of that is 
I'm not saying – there may be some, but I don't think this necessarily – my dad used to say that the people in New Orleans and Baton Rouge thought the air got thin above Alexandria. You know, the oxygen wasn't up here. Well, if you really want to go from a perspective of uh, state appropriating funds and so forth, yeah, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, we have to – I mean, ULM can vouch for the fact that they have to scrape for every penny they get out of the uh, – out of the state legislature every year in funding. And in, in tech, to some extent, has had a little more success, but um, that's just that's just the truth. And, and Grambling can probably make some of the same argument. Um, it is interesting to me that you brought up in the, in the beginning how people down there consider Shreveport and Monroe, which we are somewhat sister cities, but we're still 90 miles apart. Um, they consider us one organization, yet they consider – uh, I think Lafayette and Lake Charles are a mere 53 miles apart. Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Exactly. You know, less than 70 or 80. Um, so, yeah, Mark, I, I agree with you. I think there's a little more of a clannish uh, mentality down there when it comes to uh, protecting their own turf. I think they do, don't do necessarily like to be honest with you. I don't think people uh, in South Louisiana want to see people in North Louisiana do well, at least on the athletic field. I don't know as far as. And, and sometimes I think even my own son can vouch for this. He's got people in his own family on, on the other side of the family saying, why the heck do you continue to live in Monroe? I mean, why do you live up there? It's 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 a horrible place. The people are, you know, um, they don't have a lot of respect or for us. Uh, but it is, he's very happy here. He says, it's what you make it. And he grew up in, literally, I can promise you, he spent his formative years not up here but in, in uh in Mandeville and in New Orleans. So I think I say all that to really I'm trying to fortify your argument because I happen to agree with it. I do think you've heard of West Coast bias in politics, East Coast bias, and here in the state of Louisiana, it's a South Louisiana bias. Well, and and uh, Matt reminded me of something. He texts in and he said, case in point, I'm going to go back over this again because it's been a while Case in point, and we're going to, and I just talked to Coach Ball. I just happened to see him uh, at a medical facility here last week, the head coach for Ruston, uh, the football coach. And um, him and I talked about this because Acadiana is coming up here. You know, Ruston went down and played Acadiana in game two, uh, in week two last year. Well, Acadiana's coming up here. And Matt says, case in point, coach. The Sulphur, well, he said Sulphur, but it was Acadiana. The Acadiana-Ruston football game last year where Acadiana was not getting set for at least a second before they drove off the ball. And that is correct. See, going back to that game, if you've never seen Acadiana play, of course, they run the ball every single play. They run um, like an old, old-style running game. Everybody is up on the line of scrimmage. And then they have a quarterback and two running backs, no receivers, okay? They have no receivers wide of the formation. Everybody's on the line of scrimmage. So they stand up. The quarterback says down or whatever he says, and they go down and barely, barely touch the grass. I mean, their fingertips barely hit a blade of grass when they all go down at the same time, and then they fire out. They don't even come set with their hands or with a hand on the ground, let alone a hand on the ground for a whole second. Well, before the game, 
Coach Ball goes up and says to the officials, and this was at Acadiana, goes up and the officials, hey, we've seen on film that these guys illegally fire out their offensive line, illegally fires out because they don't come down and get set for a complete second. And the guy, the, the white hat, just kind of laughs it off and goes, well, we know, Coach, but you know they've been doing it for so long, and so, you know, it's just kind of an accepted thing. Really? It's illegal. Yeah. I don't care if they've been doing it for 120 years. It's still legal. It's not something that you're supposed to be able to do. Now, when Acadiana, I think, played, I think it was when they played the state championship games at Independence Stadium, I guess the year of Katrina, um, they came up here. Their first six plays, they got called for um, false start. And what did they do? They changed. They changed to doing it the right way because the officiating crew made them do it because they actually called the actual rule. So I said to Coach Ball the other day, I said, hey, going to be real interesting when Acadiana comes up here and plays in week two and tries to pull that uh, firing off the ball without coming and getting set. Uh, I said, that's going to be real interesting. Their, their coach is going to lose his mind when they start calling false starts on them every time they do it. So, uh, again, this has been a great discussion. We've got more text to read, so keep them coming here on the edge here on Sports Talk 97.7. We'll wrap things up when Jamie and I return right after this. Welcome back to The Edge, final segment for this week here on Sports Talk 97.7. Again, The Edge brought to you by Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital, 165 North in Monroe, 345-4545, best pet care anywhere on the planet. Mr. Bobby Manning, attorney at law, specializing in criminal defense, wrongful death, personal injury, don't delay, call Bobby today. Their number is 342-1411. And Spa Nouvelle, Panther, the special people in your life, and they do a great job. Been there before. And uh, they are on Lammy Lane in Monroe, 807-1060. And, again, you can get us on the Washita Valley Federal Credit Union hotline or text line. And we've got some more text to read. Uh, I love this one from Sarge. He says, now just think about this. He said, Rustin Soccer played Holy Cross in the semifinal. We were talking about the big three sports. We didn't even mention soccer. I never thought about this. Rustin Soccer played Holy Cross in the semifinals in New Orleans with a Lafayette crew. And the Holy Cross fans and coaches knew the entire crew by their first name. Sarge says, really? <laughs> Good case in point. Good case oh in gosh. point. Now you well, sent you sent me a text during the break. Uh, share the share the essence of the of the the text that you sent me with with everybody. Well, that with um, that you mentioned about the Cadiana, you know, uh, Coach Baugh bringing up to the officiating crew before the game that uh, you had to be uh, set for a second. The O lineman had to be set for a full second before the uh, before the snap. And I mentioned to you. Uh, during the break that I said, but, you know, that's probably what that's probably something that the officiating crew, probably the first time that was ever brought up to them, because I'm sure during the season they let that go the whole time. Oh, they do. 
They do. And they do for a fact. Because if you want to see them in action, any of you listening out there, if there's some way, you know, they have the, uh, I forget what it's called, goal line or, or some kind of thing where you can go look at video of any high school uh, game in the state. I forget, like I said, I forget what the name of the site is. But there are places that you can find out. You could probably even YouTube Acadiana Football and find some of it on there. But you go on there and watch it. And you go on there and look. When the very first play of the game, see, and I didn't know anything about this because I'd never seen Acadiana play before. Uh, we had never been down there in the 18 years or 17 years that I've been doing Ruston football. Uh, we had never played them, whether in the playoffs or anything. So I had no idea what they – I knew they were a running team, but I didn't know anything about this other. And so the very first play of the game, when the, when they ran their first offensive play and they just came down and just kind of bobbed off the ground, you know, from standing up, they'd go – they basically go down – and just bob off the off the turf maybe two inches above the grass. They just all put their hand down at the same time, but they don't even touch the grass. It's just like, boom, go down, come back up, and fire off. And the Rustin kids were looking around like, because they got like 50 yards on the first play, because the kids weren't ready for the ball to be snapped because they knew that, they weren't supposed to do things that way. By the time the Rustin kids figured out what was going on, uh, you know, the guy was in the secondary and, and running down the field, and they had to chase him down. And so you're absolutely right. Uh, when, the, when the white hat tells you, yeah, we know they do it, but, you know, they've been doing this for years, Coach. Come on. We're not going to make them actually do it the right way. Come on, man. Yeah, and I think uh, Coach Ted Davidson, I believe, who's the head coach at Acadiana, you know, his argument of, of the Wrecking Rams is that, look, we've been doing this since inception, and it's never been called. Uh, why all of a sudden is this uh, Yankee from, from Ruston, Coach, trying to tell us that uh, we have to be set for a second before, you know, the snap? Um, we've never done it. That's not how we do it at Acadiana. Uh, the refs have never called it before, and now all of a sudden we come and play in North Louisiana or something like that, and we have to be set a second. You know, these people are jaded. They're, uh, you know, they're a bunch of Yankees that don't understand us, and uh, we do it right down here and so forth. And so, I mean, it's, it's it's the same old tired old argument, you know, that we're bitter and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Now, it's, it's The rule is the rule. Uh, well, I and do this, agree. And this I, is I agree with huge... Coach Davidson on this. It's probably never been called during the regular season on them. Yeah, not down there anyway. Uh, yeah. And the thing is, once you see it, Jamie, in a game, in an entire game, it is a huge, huge advantage for the offensive line to be able to do that. I mean, it is sure. a huge advantage. It changes their kind of leverage angle a little bit uh, because they can uh, they can go down and bob back up. It gives them a little momentum going forward. Uh, it's it's It really is a big advantage. And if you've got the horses to do it, you know, their offensive linemen are enormous down there. Uh, so if you've got the horses to do it on top of that, then it makes it even more of an advantage because your def your defenders, whether linebackers that are filling gaps against the run or just your regular D line, well they don't know how to handle that. They don't know how to try and you know get around it and stuff. And I thought Rustin did it in the in the second half especially uh, ended up doing a magnificent job of adjusting to what they were doing. Most of 
Acadiana's yardage came in the first quarter, maybe a few minutes into the second quarter. Uh, but they made great adjustments in the second half to try and adjust to all this. They were making a lot of pre-snap moves based on how they were lined up, uh, which is most of the time no wide receivers, a quarterback, and two running backs. So uh, anyway, it was uh, they did. I thought they did a great job of adjusting to it, but it wasn't anything that uh, they should have had to deal with. Uh, here's um, uh, Dwayne from Homer says, this year, North Central High School in LeBeau? LeBeau, yes, yeah. around uh, Turkey Creek. Uh, oh, okay, down by around yeah. Ville Platte then. Ville Platte. Mm-hmm. Okay, is in the Class A basketball quarterfinal, uh, and the refs would literally allow a group of fans to jump out on the court after a big play by the Hurricanes during game action. It happened at least five times in the game, and no technicals were ever called. Well, they well, do see, it all the time. See, Our, here's, here's we the, just have passionate fans. Come on, Jamie. We have passionate fans. They do. They jump out on the court all the time when somebody makes a dunk. I mean, come on. That's just a normal thing. Well, see, Dwayne, what what, <laughs> what they didn't the rest realized that these people are just they they were just thinking they were having a two for one on crawfish. Uh, apparently, uh, at halftime, and that that's what caused them to react that way. It wasn't necessarily the. Uh, the play of the of the basketball players. There, there was something else involved that, that caused them to be so passionate. Um, listen, folks, below the Boudin line, anything goes. I mean, let's let's be honest. I like that. And uh, that's the way we just have to. We we kind of. I don't know why we. I, I thought we kind of had reached detente a little bit when all of us up here and I. You know, we embrace the Saints so much, not so much the cow. You know, what we, well, we thought we had broken the ice a little bit, but. There's still some work to be done, obviously, and uh, it'll happen, you know, one day. But I think uh, with social media now and everything, and, and once maybe we can get a decent outside of Highway 49 north-south, maybe they'll learn to love us a little bit more right now. But right now we're kind of there. Uh, we're kind of the uh, the, the uh, family member that's not really welcome at the dinner table at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Well, my whole thing is if I was still coaching in this state, my thing, Jamie, is, and I guess that's the crux of my whole thing, is that there is no reason with the logic that the, that the association uses in Baton Rouge to despair to, to disparage the North Louisiana uh, structure of how things are up here as far as where the officiating associations are. Their logic doesn't hold water up here because they allow it so easily in a much shorter mileage distance down there. As far as, again, quote, neutral crews, there's no reason why teams in Monroe should not be able to use Shreveport officials. There's no reason for that. There's no reason that Shreveport uh, teams can't use Monroe officials in the playoffs. Uh, There's just no logical reason for it if they're going to use the mileage thing like coaches have told me. And, again, this is information I got from head coaches on the I-20 corridor from Shreveport all the way over to Monroe. I may I, I kind of interviewed these guys and said, listen, what are you guys told about when you have to get uh, the neutral officials for playoff games? And I talked to coaches in all three of the major sports. So, uh, you know, this is the information that was coming from them and what they are told uh, 